Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Obviously super concerned about that. Uh, big blow for us. Um, you know, I did like the way we started the second for sure. Uh, you know, again, we left a lot of work to be done, so everything had to fall perfectly for us. Um, but I thought the guys did a good job of, like, regrouping after Cat's injury and, you know, still still, uh, you know, still out there fighting. Okay. So uh, the Timberwolves... <laughs> Once again, gave up a truckload of points defensively last night. They gave up 142 points to the Wizards in regulation after giving up, what was it, 137 to the Warriors at home on Sunday? So uh, they're averaging giving up like 140 points per game their last two. This, is, by the way, is Mackie and Judd, daily Minnesota sports entertainment, therapy, speculation, whatever you need from us. Uh, and then after the game... So Cat so has to be helped off the court, can't put pressure on his right leg. They are optimistic it's not a super bad injury, but MRI results coming today. It's a calf strain at minimum. We'll see what happens. Uh, then Jalen Noel, after the game, was asked about, uh, what's up with your defense? Not just you, but like the whole team. And he said, yeah, we just have to start taking it more seriously. So we're, we're 21 games into the season. We're just not taking defense seriously, apparently. And then Austin Rivers, who's tried to fill the leadership void, he comments on the Timberwolves Instagram post of the gra- like the graphic of the final score and says, usually not one for this, but stay with us. We know we don't look good right now. It's been tough to be honest to play in uh, tough to play in and tough to watch, but it will turn around for us straight up. Stay with it. So cats out. You got Austin Rivers trying to fill the leadership void saying, begging fans, like, please stay with us. Um, What do you make of this? Kyle and I broke a lot of this down on Flagrant Howls yesterday, and I'll give you my take on this. I'm just curious, Judd, what is your current thought on the state of the Timberwolves? We are now 21 games in. They are 10 and 11, so it's not a train wreck, and yet it feels like it is going off the tracks, which is an interesting Feeling. If you were to describe to me all that has gone on through 21 games around the, the Wolves, but you did not show me their record at this point, I would say they've won about six games. Um, the, so I understand what, what, God bless them, Austin Rivers is trying to do and say. I get all that. But well beyond a guy who is a role player, who has some veteran leadership skills, it feels like we are at an absolute critical stage here where decisions have to be made by everybody about what this season is going to be. It really feels like, and I think it's fair now, uh, with how they have played at times, which has been absolutely brutal. It, it appeared for a while that that win streak might help them, but ultimately now the last, what, three games have been disasters, starting with the second half in Charlotte. It feels like this has the potential to go off the tracks completely. Um, I don't like I don't like the response from the players. Uh, poor Chris Finch there looks like he just got hit by a by a train in DC. Yeah. Uh, so I am I am exceedingly concerned that this thing could go really south because it already feels like it's tracking that that way. And here's my question. So everyone needs to get together and decide what they want to do and what the intention here is. But who's going to stop this? Because it can't be role players. It can't be. You've got clear cuts, uh, what should be stars. And my God, it'd be one thing if it just wasn't sort of working on the court, but like the vibe was good. But right now, 
what do you think feels good about this team? Like, where where do you look at the positive and say, yeah, but, you know, I can see this or that? Yeah, I, I'll even kind of tweak your question because I, I asked Kyle on Flagrant House yesterday. I said, what what are they great at? You know, you can go through the, the even like the Warriors are off to a weird start. They've gotten it together recently, but. Look at the best teams in the NBA the last couple of years, and you can pretty much, like, in the fourth quarter, you know what the Suns are going to do when everyone's healthy. It's going to be Chris Paul coming off a curl, elbow jumpers, Devin Booker doing Devin Booker things. The Warriors are going to run Clay and Steph off screens, and and those guys are going to shoot threes, and then Andrew Wiggins and Draymond know exactly what they're going to be doing, sort of filling the the gaps, right? Like, And you could go through a list of six or seven other teams. And again, it's it's only been 21 games, so I wouldn't expect them to be like perfectly gelled chemistry-wise. And they did show you some amazing flashes leading up through the Pacers win last week when it looked like everything was finally coming together and then inexplicable lack of energy and focus against the Charlotte Hornets a couple nights later, one of the worst teams in the NBA, also injury depleted. How do they go from what you saw against the Pacers to what you've seen the last three games? And I get that there's been some injuries, like Jay McDaniels has been out, Jordan McLaughlin's been out, but those shouldn't derail you to the point. Those are role players. Those are good role players, but those guys being out shouldn't be the difference between what you saw against the Pacers and what you've seen the last couple of games where they just they just can't get a stop for two and a half hours. And so I keep going back to like when things are going haywire in a game or like a series of losses. What is the thing that you can really hang your hat on? For this team, on paper, based on having Gobert and then another seven-footer in Towns and some of the length they've had um, you know, sprinkled in throughout with Jade McDaniel, again, there's some injuries here, but it should be rebounding, rim protection, size. Like They should be imposing their size on teams. And they're not yeah. even like, they haven't even really figured out how to do that yet through 21 games. In fact, Chris Finch kind of said it after the Warriors' loss. He said, our identity right now is super inconsistent, very Jekyll and Hyde. We're not as physical or as tough as I'd like for us to be. I think that's something we have to try and find. Why aren't you physical and tough? Like, I know that Gobert is not exactly, you know, uh, Bill Lambeer in the late 80s in terms of toughness, but I just feel like this they should have something by this point that they can just kind of lean on and be like, okay, all right, all right, we know that we know that these things work. And it just feels so scatterbrained. It doesn't feel like it just feels like a bunch of guys trying to play hero ball half the time once they get into these ruts. So yes. it, the, the chemistry feels weird still, I guess, is my main point here. And I think that's where the problems start, though. I, I think um, to delve into what might be the most important thing about this team, the psyche, uh, it doesn't forget the fact that, that the on court product does not look um does not look consistent and does not appear to have an identity, which it, by the way, should. Let's just get into the mentality, the psyche of this team. Let's get into the fact that it looks, from the way they play, it looks like they don't like each other. It looks like everyone's like, well, this was my role, and now you want to do this. I I mean, I expected something from Cat that so far in the games I've attended and watched on TV, I haven't seen. I thought Cat would embrace the ability to go outside, and I thought Cat would uh, love that role. But you watch Cat play, and it looks like at times he's very confused about who he should be now. And it's like, hold on, dude, you got Gobert there. And he's made some nice passes to him. But I'm saying overall, watch Cat play. Then watch D'Lo play. D'Lo's making has made no adjustments or concessions. D'Lo is going to play his style of basketball. And in pro sports, I think that that has the high percentage to backfire quickly because guys get pissed off. This was a problem that, that you know, Dex and I talked about for a long time with Parisi and Suter and that entire team. The alienation of teammates, especially from star players, is not hard. And here's my, so here's my concern, though, about where this is tracking and trending. You do not want this to have a negative impact long-term on the mentality of Ant. And it can. It can. If everyone's going to get theirs, guess what? He's going to want his, and I don't blame him. By the way, he, he, he has some blood on his hands here. Too. He, he, he has he not done a good enough job of just, okay, 
he falls into the same trap of like taking possessions off and not playing defense. He has been underwhelming this season, and we can blame environment or not. He's also a grown adult who is he's young and he's immature, but he's in year three. But, it's time but to go, Bill, dude. I agree with that, but the problem is here, the whole thing is turning toxic. So it's Ant, it's Gobert, it's Cat, it's D'Lo, it's the entire... You, I mean, you have role players who are new here trying to save the day. And I will point to this. Last year, like him or not, Patrick Beverly never came in when things started to go wrong and said, okay, you know what, now I'm stepping up. He just stepped up. People who step up, step up. They they don't announce their intention. You know, well, now Torian Prince is watching more film with guys. Okay, that's too late. Um, so this whole thing of, of uh, you know, I'm going to help out, stay with us, it feels like it's turning toxic off the court. And that's what would really concern me. Well, it's funny you brought this up. So this is Dane. This is again after the Warriors game. So this is a couple days ago. So Dane Moore with an Austin Rivers quote when asked about how the Wolves team can add more physicality and find their identity. And Austin Rivers said, lead by example, pick up full court. I've got to start talking more, leading more, demanding effort, getting on guys. I'm going to start getting on. So I'm going to start getting on guys if I see someone not guarding hard or if I see a bleep up. I'm going to hold guys accountable and ask them to hold me accountable. Uh, and then he mentions that on veteran teams, when you bleep up, Draymond's going to be on you. In Boston, Marcus Smart is going to be on you. Any good team for that matter. You've got guys on that defense that are holding everyone accountable. That's what I have to do with these guys, especially these young guys, to tell them to lock it in. So I heard your deep sigh there. What I told Kyle on Flagrant House is I hate what this says about the two guys who've supposedly been trying to lead this team for the last three or four years, Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. Why does someone else have to come in here? And I get that Austin Rivers has you know a 10-year pedigree in the NBA, and he's been a good player, and he's been on some good teams. You know His dad clearly has been around good teams, so he understands what winning DNA looks like. So he he can and should definitely lead. But how about him coming in and surveying the landscape after 20 games and being like, all right, well, someone's got to do this. So I'm going to start doing this. Well, if, if there was a culture already set or a culture that you could build off of set by the towns and the D'Lo and then Gobert coming in too, again, he's, I think, I don't think he's been the problem, but I'm not sure that he's like the culture changer either. It just raises it's just kind of another thing. It's just another reason to look at Towns and D'Lo and say they're not garbage. No one's asking that they just get like booted to the curb for nothing. But those guys aren't culture setting type franchise players. And it's and it's just becoming more obvious by the day. Again, I, I think you can say that and also say I would like Towns to still be a contributor on a team as like the second or the third guy. But they don't know that there's like no pecking order. There's no like what is the leadership pecking order on this team? Now well, Austin Rivers is gonna be number one. Like and what, it's weird. And what, drives, and what drives me crazy about this is is the fact that Cat tries to sell himself publicly as that guy and then behind the scenes doesn't put in the work to do it. Absolutely. He goes to the podium and starts talking about ant eating fried chicken. Like that, like that's how I'm going to get on him. And and first of all. According to Ant, he hadn't had Popeyes in like two years. But second of all, if you think that that's like the accountability starts here and now, and we're going to talk about where you go to eat your lunch, what do you do? You that is as fake as it gets. That is as fake. Look at look at what go back Pat Bev last year. Okay, now yes, he was over the top at times. He could be weird at times. But you know what he had? He had the ability for instant accountability. And he played enough where he could do it. Um, but if you look at what Patrick Beverly meant to this team last year, and I know that jumping on the scorer's table and waving his jersey after they made the playoffs rubbed people wrong. But you know what that was? That was a genuine moment where he was so happy because a lot of the work that he, that he had put in, and I guarantee you 75% of it we didn't see or know about, had actually paid off. And that's missed now. And Carl... Carl is a marvelous athlete. Carl can be a great player. I think it's very safe to say this. He has no leadership skills. Like, yeah, if we don't know yeah. that by now, yeah. come on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Um, I want to I want to sort of hold up a shining example of an NBA franchise and their ethos and ask you a question regarding the Timberwolves here in a second. But we uh, we actually had the game on at Park Tavern. We were in the back bar area just hanging out with some Purple Daily and Mackie and Judd listeners last night and viewers, I guess, people that also watch the YouTube channels. It was it was a blast at Park Tavern last night, the official sports bar of the sports dad, Judd Zolgad. That's right. After all the, these years, it makes me emotional to think that now that there is an official sports bar of Sports Dad because he's so pleased. And here's the best thing. Sports Dad, in this holiday season, has been coming to you with gift ideas. Gift ideas and ideas to make your wife, girlfriend, or heck, let's say your mom, happy. Here is another one. Park Tavern is huge. You got bowling. You got two bars. It is, it is big enough to hold, guess what? your party. And so I don't know if you've got a holiday party coming up or perhaps a birthday, you know, take this out of your wife's hands because she's looking for help and you arrange it. It is this simple because it is as easy as it possibly gets. 952-929-6810, parktavern.net, parktavern.net. You can make the reservation online. It is Easy as can be, plenty of room, great fun, and guess what, guys? Now you are a hero at home for the holidays. Yeah. Uh, you know, Federated Mutual Insurance Company has, but I guess you could say they've been a hero as a guiding hand for countless businesses over the past hundred years. They've been an official partner of the Timberwolves, supporting them through thick and thin, going back a number of years. It all started with a group of farmers and business owners in and around Owatonna back in 1904, seeking better help and better value for their premium dollar. And in the decades following, they built what is now one of the most respected insurance companies in America, certainly in Minnesota. Find out how Federated can help protect your business, help elevate your business to new heights at federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. Uh, A few nights ago, I was curious as I was watching the Timberwolves. This actually, I think, started with, uh, they played the Heat recently like a couple weeks ago, and the Heat were without Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero. They just had a bunch of bench players punching with the Timberwolves. And the, the Heat are just, no matter who's on the court the last 15 years, they're just a hard beat, usually. It's a hard, it's Eric Spolstra. It's Heat culture is what they call it. They call they literally call it Miami Heat culture. And so I'm watching this game, and I'm thinking, God, even the, God, the Heat can just like run anyone out there, and they're, they're moving the ball around. They're playing hard defense. They're boxing out. They're just a well-organized machine for the most part. And so I Googled, uh, what is heat culture? And I wanted to see, has anyone ever defined heat culture? And I found this Q&A on GQ Magazine's website with Udonis Haslam, who's like the godfather of heat culture <laughs> going back 20 years. He's still somehow an active player in the NBA who is just like paid to sit on the bench, right? And Udonis Haslam said, it's a lifestyle, bro. You can't just tap in when the season starts and tap back out when it's over. That's how your ass gets hurt next year in training camp. You pretty much have to stay in shape year-round. Heat culture is, as Udonis Haslam defines it, discipline, accountability, work ethic, and enjoying somebody else's success. So Mm -hmm. discipline, accountability, work ethic, and enjoying somebody else's success. And I asked Kyle on Flagrant Halls yesterday, what are four words or phrases you would use to describe Timberwolves culture? (laughs) And I said, here are the four that came to mind right now for me. Unfortunately, lethargic, whiny, soft, and low basketball IQ. And they still win. Like there's they're ten of that. They actually have the same record as the Heat this season, which is kind of funny. But they just there's just like a like a harumph about the Timberwolves where if if something bad happens and now the Pacers game was totally different because they kept getting punched and the Pacers kept going on runs and the Wolves would answer with haymakers coming back the other way. Yep. But there's just something there's a house of cards aspect to this team that like if the wind blows a little bit and oh god what do we do there's a bad call or you know it just they're just um they're lethargic whiny soft and they play stupid basketball a lot but they're so talented that they've been able to overcome it 
10 times already this season in 21 games. So, so. go go back through uh, the three things for heat culture again, if you'd be so kind. It's four words. Okay. Discipline, cool. accountability, work ethic, and enjoying yeah. somebody else's success. Number four to me is the absolute key. That's like a team because celebration all exactly, the time, right? And, exactly and the Wolves right. do a lot of that too. Like so you see them waving towels on the bench when things are going well. Right. But ultimately, don't you don't you think that there's too many guys on this team who care what they get, and they don't, and and so I think you can, I think you could definitely show what I would consider to be almost fake enthusiasm. But are you really enthusiastic? Will you change what you do to benefit your teammate? Yeah. Like will Delo? Will Delo adjust what he does? Will Cat? Can Cat adjust what he does? This is where I think. I think the fourth thing on that heat culture list is a foundational starting point of the success of teams. Yes. You know, I, uh, a good friend of mine who, who spent time in the U S Marine Corps, like 30 years ago. And he now, he now does leadership consulting and, uh, he defines, he defines leadership as facilitating the success of the people around you. So how can, how can you be someone that helps, open things up for the team takes down barriers or makes someone else's job easier for them to do or whatever it may be. And it oftentimes feels like the wolves are trying to facilitate the success of themselves first. It's not that they're rooting against each other, but I'm going to facilitate the success of me. And Ant is very guilty of this. And he's a 21 year old guy that probably doesn't have enough perspective, but if they started like really leaning into, especially when, when times are tough on the court, Actually, like, okay, going out of my way to get you to, okay, Rudy, we're going to get you a, a dunk here. And, and you see, it's not that they never do this, but they get away from it so quickly and easily. And then they just like start going into hero ball mode. And again, they're talented enough to where they can kind of get unorganized and still win 10 of their first 21 games. Yep. And defense too, right? Like, like that's the thing is defense is a team thing. So like, if you have, if, if one guy breaks down, and decides, ah, this possession, I don't really care. It's going to screw up the whole thing. It's going to screw up the whole thing. I, perfect example, 2021 versus 2022 Vikings. Largely the same team. They didn't win close games last year. They are now ordinarily winning those games. Why? Largely because it, it's it's a team. And I'll give him credit, too. Justin Jefferson appears genuinely happy for teammates. Like there's never a time where you see he'll he'll get mad if Kirk d- doesn't see him or something. But there's never a time where you're like, oh, there he goes again. Justin Jefferson's being selfish, right? Yeah. Like, what's the difference among if if we had to list the five differences between why this largely the same Vikings team is so much improved? I think culture and chemistry is absolutely huge. Yep, they're an unlikable bunch. Like that, they, they, it just yep. it's not fun watching them. I've been to two games now in person and both of them have just not been that fun to watch. Um, obviously, like when the Warriors are making all their shots and they're being the Golden State Warriors where they basically just don't miss and they're, and they're so connected and everything works, it's, it's fun to watch that team be successful, Golden State, that is. But then it also goes back to the Wolves of like, all right, there's players on this team. This is not the Wolves from six years ago or even three years ago where you're running out Josh Akogi and Jarrett Culver for meaningful minutes. Like This is a team that has some legit stars, but they have no continuity and no direction and it's frustrating because wolves fans i know want this to be a thing of course they want it they, they want to prove that last year wasn't a fluke but also you know and, and it stinks that guys like towns and ant and, and mostly delo probably put cat and delo more in this bin haven't like stepped up as the leaders but it's also we have now multiple examples of patrick beverly kyle anderson austin rivers i know jimmy butler went to the extreme of all extremes just point this out but I, I just listed four guys, four guys who have come in here as external factors. And I've just kind of looked around and being like, what, what, what's going on here? And that's no longer just, yes, I would love for Kat and D'Lo to step up and be adults and have that leadership. But that's a trend. You have four dudes who have been around the block more than, more than a few times. And they have recognized that there is a problem here. Why is this happening here? It's and, weird. And there's, there's one common denominator. D'Lo has been a common denominator for a few of those, but there's one actual common denominator that goes back to all of those, like back to the Jimmy Butler era. Yes. 
Well, and don't forget, too, that Cat is the guy that continually steps up and says, I'm the guy. This is my team. So, like, D'Lo's a weird dude, but I, I don't think that he's trying to present this front of, I'm the guy. Cat is. Here, it, two other things off that with, with the Cat. So, the first one, he gets up, he says a lot of the right things, and I think that, I, I think that sort of shields him from even more public criticism because, like, oh, he's... And he's gone through some stuff in his personal life. And so he people don't I don't think fans like hate him. I think that I think his welcome has worn a little more thin just because he is the common denominator among a lot of just sort of mediocre to bad to unlikable Timberwolves teams. But what I want to know is, okay, when you get up there and talk about needing to be great, not good, but great and and talking about keeping your body in shape better if you're aunt and like all the things that he preaches. Is he at practice the one that's running practice, basically? Right. Is he like, because let's go back 20, 25 years, and I know there's probably a lot of people that, that listen to our show or watch our show now that maybe weren't around as much for the Kevin Garnett era. But you want to know how many times from 19, so KG really came into his own like year two, year three, so call it 96, 97 through, well, let's give him the first four years to be like immature 18 through 22-year-old. But once he became adult NBA player, 23 through age 31 or 32. How many times did a veteran come in in the offseason, an Austin Rivers type or a Pat Beverly type, in the late 90s, early 2000s, and say, all right, I'm going to step up and lead this team because there's a there's a dearth of leadership here. Right. That would have been laughable because guess whose team it was? It was Kevin's team. And at practice... Almost to a fault, he was literally punching teammates that weren't falling in line with the work and the grind needed. Ask Rick Rickert and Wally Zerbiak what it's like getting a Kevin Garnett right cross, seven foot eight wingspan or whatever it is. So you're going to say all the things publicly, but who who behind the scenes? And, and ultimately, if it's not Cat, then they need someone. It's not. I don't think it's Gobert's, but Gobert will pull guys aside. But who? is running practice. And I'm not talking about Finch. Jimmy Butler was running practice. Kevin Garnett was running practice. Dwayne Wade, heat culture. Dwayne Wade, Udonis Haslam, and he is a role player, but, you know, godfather of heat culture. And LeBron James, those guys are running practice. If you're a 27-year-old superstar and you're getting paid a Supermax contract, are you running practice? I don't know. I'm not in there, but sure doesn't sure doesn't seem like it. D-Lo too. Yeah, but with Cat, I think that Cat enjoys the the whole I'm the guy, it's my team, blah, blah, blah. But I think it's very safe to say he doesn't pay that off because it takes hard work. It takes being a dog, right? Like, Cat is a pretty passive dude. Um, and, and I think it takes being a dog. It takes being tough. It takes being I – mean, you have to be wired a certain way and I'll always go back to what I've said about sports. You cannot walk into a locker room and say, this is mine. you got to prove that. Mm-hmm. And you got to have that air about you. Some people do, some don't. But you can't just Bigfoot the locker room because I'm a good player. It goes well beyond that. And, and I think the Wolves lack that. And I think part of the problem is when people sign up to play with Cat, they might think one thing, but they don't get that. Yeah. But yeah, this is very this this to me at ten and eleven, which is not terrible. It's not good. Is incredibly concerning because it feels like it's going to go off the track. I think what's so hard here too is one last thought on this. We'll get to get to our guy Randy in Cottage Grove for a little little post Thanksgiving weekend stud stable. But I think what's frustrating and, and hard is I know I know for a fact I know what happens when we do these segments and we start ripping on Cat and you get a bunch of people that. Cat's not the problem. He's putting up these numbers and whatever. And, and that's the conundrum is that he is a very good player. He's one of the best shooters in the entire league. But he's also like, look at, look, read between the lines here. The things that guys are complaining about effort from the coach down to the role players. They're complaining about effort. They're complaining about some chemistry related things. They're complaining about accountability, like teammates holding each other accountable. These are leadership things that are bleeding into the play on the field, on the field, on the on the court, right? So I think you could acknowledge that yes, there's a there's some there's a couple of good individual performing players here, but you need the whole thing to gel and for everyone to be all in and playing hard, and they don't have that straw that stirs the drink behind the scenes. So anyhow, all right, 
we're going to take a breather, and we're going to talk to our friend, the biggest Vikings fan we know, who's probably fired up after a long weekend of celebrating the Vikings win on Thanksgiving. Mackie and Judd. Football. Yes, he is the most passionate Vikings fan we know. Randy Vikes 69 on Twitter, if you would like to follow his, uh, I was going to say insights, we can just say uh, his tweets, whatever. Whatever he's putting out there. Um, Randy in Cottage Grove, who has correctly nailed through his film study, uh, his mock draft work, multiple Vikings draft picks in the past few years. Randy, the Vikings are back on track at 9-2, and two, beating the Patriots on Thanksgiving a few nights ago. How are you feeling? Well, pretty good, but you just brought something up that I feel like I need to have a, a sort of confession about is that we're when we're winning like this, some of the work we, you know, those of us in the mocking community would typically be putting in already. We're not, we're not focused because we're too, too busy, you know, watching the the run, getting, getting jazzed up and, and you know, jacked up about the, the, the season when normally we'd be breaking down, you know, the, a lot of the college seasons are already in the books. Some of these gems on teams that aren't going to make a, a bowl you're already starting to put some guys on your, your big boards and I haven't done any of that yet. Wow. Wow. So you're, so you haven't okay. even really, you haven't even like put together an initial, like the, not even the framework of your first mock. No, it is, this is as late. This is as late in the season as I've ever uh, gone into a co- the college season without having even like a sort of a beta, like a, wow. like an 0.6 or an 0.7. And, and a lot of the tape I typically get from college at, at, you know, sort of circles, people do tape trades and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't gotten any of it yet. That's okay. I mean, the Vikings are good. You know what? Your focus being on, on what's currently transpiring, I think is absolutely good. Yeah, whatever you can do to help this year's team is probably where you're most effective. Just don't hold it. it, it I hope we make a run because if you hold don't hold it against me or any of the other mockers if we're a little a little uh little off next year because we get this is a distraction. Yeah. Well, it's a it's, it's a, a good it's a good yeah, it's a good yeah. distraction to have. So, hey, how was your before we get to your your stud stable here? How was your Thanksgiving spread? What was the what was the MVP? What was the super duper stud of your of your Thanksgiving meal? A lot of different items. Uh, you know, the one I uh, one I mentioned to, to you guys and got a little pushback. Uh, fair enough. You you have it your way because I ate a lot of them, and that's the giblets. We 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 fry them up good, and they were delicious. You can do them with a the buffalo or barbecue. Mm. That was a great way to kind of finish the night, and then we do what's called a. You know, kind of a late night uh, Thanksgiving taco where you you take a, a, tor- a tor- tortilla and and wrap it up with the, the turkey and the stuffing and the gravy and the potatoes and oh. put it in the uh, pop it in the microwave. It's phenomenal. Well, oh. let, let me ask you this, Randy, because I saw us a hot take from our friend uh, Courtney Cronin on Around the Horn yesterday. What Whoa. what is what is the ceiling of the Thanksgiving leftovers after Saturday, Sunday, like when can you stop eating Thanksgiving leftovers? Because now it's like becoming a potential food poisoning issue. Like, are you still, are you still basically eating your Thanksgiving leftovers, you know, five days after the fact, now that it's Tuesday? We, we typically, uh, you know, go through pretty quick, but sometimes you make a triple or even a quad batch of stuffing. And, All right. you know, if you, you look at it, you know, Sunday into Monday and it's got a little fuzz, just, Take what? the top. If it has a little fuzz on it, just take the top layer off. And if you really <laughs> no, it, a little fuzz, huh? no, no, you got to throw no, it away at that point. That's, if it's no, green, you got to get that out. No, take the top, take the, It's only on the surface, like cheese. Just take the top part off, and then uh, oh, God. You, you heat, heat up what the rest. If you're really, what have I done? Really worried about it? Chase it with some yag. That's oh, so, it kills no. the bacteria. Oh, yeah, there you go. Put a little. The egg will kill. The alcohol will kill the bacteria. He is that what happens? You little. So you light a little food poisoning yep. flame, and then you yep. you douse oh, it. Burn it off. <laughs> burn it off right in your stomach. I would just want to say for the listeners and viewers out there, uh, we officially, Mackie and Judd, do not recommend that you just take the top layer of moldy yeah. fuzz off. But Ugh. Randy, you you do you, man. It's, it's it eats it eats the same. I'll just say that. Oh, okay, well, okay. He's right. But. Speaking of dousing the uh, the flame, um, this Randy and Cottage Grove stud stable is presented by our new friends at Lake Ridge Liquors in Vadness Heights, Dex. Uh, Randy, have you, have you made the trek out to Lake Ridge Liquors off 694 and Rice Street? Do you need a ride to Lake Ridge Liquors? 
I, I, that could be helpful. I also wasn't able to, to, to get there yet, but I heard, I do hear they do have, yeah, I got two people I yes. know said they've been there and they do have it. There, there's a 40-foot-long wall of whiskey, actually, specifically. There's a 1,000 wines in stock. They got Surly's. They have Before I Dies. They even had the rewards program, Randy. So, you know, if guys like you and I who like to frequent the liquor store, uh, when you go and you sign up with the promo code SCORE, they'll give you 5 bucks on your next visit because, you know, we're going to have to restock those yags, restock that alcohol and stuff. So go check out Lake Ridge Liquors. They're off 694 and Rice Street. Shout-out to Lake Ridge Liquors for sponsoring programming on SCORE North. Amen. All right. All right, Randy. Let's fire this thing up here. A nine and two Vikings stud stable. Yeah, this is a, a stud stable from uh, the Thanksgiving Day game, uh, night game. That's what it was. Uh, and in reality, uh, this is a should have been a big, exciting thing because it was teeing it up for the Packers to take care of business and put us in the driver's seat. They didn't do that. Never rely on them. Never rely on them. Do a whole nother dud stable on that bunch of clowns. But we'll we'll let, let we'll, we're just gonna we control our own destiny, in my opinion. If we continue to to play the way we're capable of playing, and that that was one hell of a bounce back. I'm just gonna keep it short and sweet here because the people who who made this stable happen, they they know who they are. We're gonna start under center with a guy who a lot even me during the game said. He he's he. I totally got some guys at the bars that he he can't do it. He just cannot do it when the lights are bright. Mm. Well, in the middle of that game, he decided to throw on the chains, as they say, and uh, and and give a little like that, give a little mfers maybe in the huddle. Who knows? But he decided this is uh, I'm I'm doing this, and I'm gonna t- take the, the the prime time narrative, and I'm gonna uh, flush it, flush it right down, and uh, and he did, and that's Kirk Cousins, Kirk. In this game, primetime, you were a stud. You like that? You like that? The super stud, this is a guy who I've, I've been just having dreams about him ever since that game. Oh. And like I said a couple weeks ago, we're going to have to we're gonna have to get ready to pay him. You're going to have to get ready to pay him. But I have a, I have a, bit of a, a bit of a buzz of my own thinking about him every time I watch him streaking. And that's Justin Jefferson. Justin, you took that game over. You put the league on notice one more time that you are the best receiver in the NFL. You are the guy who goes and gets the catches that seem impossible. Those 50-50 balls, you turn them into maybe maybe like a 69-31 ball, and that's what I like to see. Justin Jefferson, you are a superstar. Okay. Okay. Okay, Randy. And finally, here's a guy who went against a bit of an old, old mentor of his. and <laughs> He came out of the fire. The victor in national television. Everyone was watching. We were having a great time. We were rowdy, and he he paid it off. He paid it off. He stared down the legend, uh, Bruce Belichick, and he said, "Bruce, you may be the kind of guy who thinks you're a legend. You know, you're just you're going to walk out and scare us on a short week, whatever your narrative is. Well, not this week. The week was short. We came off an absolute embarrassment and rallied." We rallied. We circled the wagons. A lot of people I know who were there said it was as loud as it's been all year. And that's because of you, KOC. KOC, you stared down your mentor. You stared down Bruce Belichick and you told him, Bruce, today is my day because I am a super duper stud. I've always been a big fan of Bruce Belichick. Bruce Belichick. Brucey. I call him Brucey. Why did he say Bruce Belichick? He knows his name. Is he just being, is he trying to be funny? He's called me Jeff for. Well, I think he actually thinks your name, name is, is Jeff. Jeff. I don't think no, he I know. actually so knows your he name. Perhaps he doesn't know. But he doesn't like, I don't, I don't think he listens to our show. He just started calling in like eight years ago because he was looking for a place to do mock drafts. He's very selfish like that. Yeah. I don't think he's Tell like part it. of the community of the show. I think he just like wants to give his takes. He's a little narcissistic, yeah, that Randy and Cottage Grove. Yeah. Yeah. Bruce Belichick. All right. Well, there it is. The Randy and Cottage Grove stud, stud stable. The 9-2 and two Vikings. Interesting defensive note here to get to our old friend, uh, Andrew Kramer. Andrew Kramer is one of the founding fathers of the original Purple podcast that eventually yep. turned into Purple Daily. He covers the Vikings for the Star Tribune. And uh, I'm going to give you the nugget here in just a second, but it's a tough time of year for people 
when it comes to controlling their weight, but you have shown you can still enjoy some good things in life, a beer here and uh, and some food over there, and keep the weight off or lose weight. That's right, and I did it because of my friends at Livia Weight Control Centers who helped me drop 40 pounds. Now, the most important thing, though, is what they will do is they'll they'll help you drop the weight, and I'm telling you right now, it's as simple as possible, but the best part is maintaining the weight loss because that's the toughest thing. We've all lost weight and gained weight back. That is not going to be the case, and do I have a holiday deal for you uh, right now? So, uh, guys, if you're on the couch and you're, like, debating, well, this isn't the time of year. I'm going to wait till January 1st. First of all, don't wait. Second of all, the offer is this. The best offer of the year is save 50%. That's right. Save 50% off the ordinary price. If you join today, it's as simple as this. 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A, Livia.com, L-I-V-E-A.com. Don't wait. Start that weight loss now in fact you know what you will by the time january 1st gets here and your buddies are like i'm going to start to lose weight you already will have a massive head start livia.com is how you get it okay so uh this is from and and uh, kevin kevin seifert our friend at espn.com is is tweeting this nugget out from andrew kramer so kramer wrote about he talked to jordan hicks about uh like the vikings had some success with late blitzes in the second half against the patriots on thursday they actually, after Mac Jones basically ran roughshod over them for maybe the best game of his career, the Vikings then dialed up some pressure later in the game. There was some speculation that while the Patriots had to go to some longer developing routes than they right. were early in the game, the Vikings were also sending some uh, late-running blitzers. But um, here's what Kevin Seifert uh, tweets. Kramer is right about the Vikings blitz. If you want them to blitz more, at least consider the overall effectiveness of the times they have blitzed. So the Vikings have a 33% pressure rate on blitzes, which is the seventh lowest in the NFL. So when they blitz, they only get pressure one out of every three times. Opponent's QBR against the Vikings blitz is the seventh highest in the NFL. It's an 80 QBR on a 1 to 100 scale. So a lot of people, and I I, I agree with the sentiment that you, you need to get more pressure. It can't just be Zadarius and sort of Daniil. There's got to be more. There's got to be, you can't have guys like Mac Jones just sitting back there for three hours picking you apart, Not, especially in a home game. And so why, why doesn't Ed Donatel send more blitzers? And this might be your answer here, that, well, when they have, it hasn't been effective. And so now you're, all you're doing is you're just taking guys out of coverage and leaving even more open windows. So my counter question back would be, okay, is there something schematic about the blitzes that's just not effective? Is there a better way to scheme the blitzes to get home and to get more pressure? Yeah, and my response to those uh, stats that you just went through is very simple. You can't abandon the blitz. You can't abandon pressure because it it doesn't always get there. Um, When you're playing a young quarterback in U.S. Bank's Stadium, okay, which Mike White, again, is going to play against them on Sunday. He played great uh, for the Jets against the Bears. But you can't just be like, okay, you know what? Our blitz doesn't get home enough, so we can't blitz. Because then, as we saw with Mac Jones, the problem is he can stand back there and pick you apart. And I would rather go – I would rather have a situation where at least the teams don't know what to expect and where if I do give up plays – I at least am trying to get pressure. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like this passive, almost it, it, sometimes it looks like a prevent defensive method of, well, we can't get, you know, we don't want to get beat, and so we're not going to blitz. I think you have to vary things up. And look, you know what? We know this. This defense isn't good enough to just be like, it's great. Like, it has flaws. And unfortunately, right now, you ain't fixing them. Like, your personnel is your personnel. So... What frustrated me about the Patriots game is Mac Jones is a young quarterback, very susceptible to pressure, and to just be be like, well, look at the stats. We don't get home enough. Okay, that's a problem, but with a quarterback like that, I still want to pressure him and create the perception of pressure. Now, if it's a veteran, that might be different because he could pick you apart. Brady's not going to freak out, but, you know, with Mike White, if you allow Mike White to sit back there with a four-man rush all the time, I think you're going to have problems. So it's the perception of the pressure against, uh, depending on the quarterback, 
which is why I don't think that you can just abandon it and say, well, the stats showed that we don't do this. Ed's got to Ed's got to be more creative, and yeah. Ed's got to keep quarterbacks off balance. Also, I would add this: that okay, what you're what you're doing now is leading to the second worst yardage defense in the NFL, and now you're starting to give up more points too. You gave up what was it twenty six to the Patriots? You gave up forty to the Cowboys. So, so if the goal is hey, we're not going to go crazy blitzing because a we're not that great at it, and we just don't want to allow big plays over the top. We'd rather a team have to work their way down the field. And I would say, well, they are. <laughs> so, so I mean, is there something to be said for taking a few more chances? So the Vikings, for instance, they blitz. This is getting real stat heavy, but they, they blitz on 15% of snaps. The Giants are at the top of the list. They blitz on 42% wow. of snaps. So like every other play, the Giants are just sending guys. And, you know, a lot of this has to do too with like, what's the personnel? Can you're... Can your secondary hold up if they have to be in man coverage, if they have to, you know, cover a guy 40 yards down the field one on one or something? So I get that there's some personnel issues here that would maybe prevent you from blitzing. But if you decided in the next two weeks to tinker with, okay, uh, Mike White is not a very experienced quarterback. He was like a fifth or sixth round draft pick a few years ago, and he has not played a ton of like high level football. Let's make his life a little miserable. Let's mm-hmm. let's instead of blitzing fifteen percent, let's do what the let's let's blitz on like one out of every three or every other play and see what happens. What's the worst that can happen? You might give up a lot of yards. Yeah, well, you already you are. Exactly. So yes. <laughs> you might give up a lot of points. Well, I mean, you're kind of like lately you've been giving up forty and twenty six. I mean, what are the Jets going to score fifty on you if you blitz more? Or could yeah. you maybe create some stuff? Maybe a couple big losses that lead to better field position for you or a turnover. I would just like to see them try for a couple games. What happens if you try to dial some more stuff up? And I felt like, and I don't know if the stats are going to back me up on this, I felt like the Dolphins game, that they did exactly that. And it created, again, the perception of, okay, the ball has to be out. Um, I also would not be, and it's very clear that this this defensive scheme does not lend itself to it, but I think the personnel does. Mm -hmm. I also would not be adverse to the occasional safety blitz to the occasional corner blitz. Keep them off balance. I I feel like this defense, one of its major flaws is there's a predictability that I don't like. Like, where is is the safety blitz occasionally? And by the way, I don't think you put that on film for the most part. So if you do that now, it's going to be a surprise. Um, I think you need to differ things up and not be as formulaic. This feels like a very form formulaic defense, which is fine if your guys are outstanding. These guys aren't outstanding. So Ed Donashell has to help them. Okay, I found this stat just for fun here. How many times would you guess Harrison Smith has been credited with a, well, let me see here. Uh, how many times has Harrison Smith been a pass rusher? How many plays has he been a, according oh. to Pro Football Focus, a, a classified pass rusher? Just going with the eye test, totally not not having any clue. I it feels like about maybe ten times, six times. Okay, but last year, let's see here, let's see two thousand twenty one. Okay, well, yeah, last year was forty three. Yeah, yeah, because Zimmer would blitz him all the time, mm-hmm. and and he also played more of a. And, and I thought that the Vikings were going to do this, and I've been absolutely wrong. Harrison Smith at, at his best, and yes, he's not at his best now because of age, but he he was almost a rover. Yeah. I mean, think that's about a, where, Dude, that's where an amazing stat, man. Six, yeah, 43 times last year, six this year. You tune into a PD, you know what you're going to get? Or Mac, Mac Amazing Mac, stats. You're going to get the truth about what's Football. going on. Good and bad. Something what's else laugh, to deal with. <laughs> What it was an amazing stat. It was an amazing stat. I just it, it's just I love Judd. I Judd, Judd's great. I, I'm just that's we're, what you we're bringing that's we're bringing it. That's what you get on our shows. Yeah. Okay, Eric Kendricks has been sent 23 times as a pass rusher this year. Where was he at last year? Uh, 68. So his his pass rushing's way down. Yeah. Anthony Barr was sent as a linebacker 85 times last year. Wow. As a pass rusher, okay, and uh, what's what's Hicks at? Hicks is at twenty eight. Okay, so it's yeah. it's down. I mean, it's 
it's a thing. It's a schematic thing. That yeah. is, and that's not like pressures. This is how many times were they sent as a pass rusher? So it's in their principles not to do it. And my yes. point is, I think your personnel calls for you to get creative and do it. Mm-hmm. Not all the time. By the way, one of the only teams that blitzes less than the Vikings, the New York Jets, they only blitz 15.1% of the time, but they have mm-hmm. a top five pressure rate. Yes, That's the holy home. grail, right? Like we don't, yes. ha- we get home and oh, you, we yeah. don't have to blitz. Yes. But the Vikings don't have that right now. They don't have so. No. Yep. No. Well, look at that. Wow. Well, Need a cigarette after that stat. What a pull. I would love to know, <laughs> and he'll never say it because he's a good teammate. I would love to know behind the scenes what, what Harrison Smith thinks of this scheme. It would be, yeah. He's. I mean, he barely talks, period, publicly. He's you. certainly not going to no. rip the scheme, but. It would be interesting to hear, yeah. And, and these defensive players have to be kind of questioning at some point because you think Harrison Smith and Patrick Peterson and Daniil Hunter and Darius Smith especially, like I just named four amazing players that make up half the defense. Are they going to, and Kendricks, like, are those guys going to say, God, this scheme's rocking and we just aren't good enough. We as players are the reason why this is the second worst off uh, defense, yardage defense in the NFL. They probably have some issues with the scheme. It's so it is ultimately Harrison Smith would for sure. I and I think some of these players have fallen off, but I think the the personnel to me on defense is not living up to yeah. what it should be. I agree, and that is a coaching and schematic issue. I'm not saying it's the number one defense if you get the right scheme and coaching because it's not. But yeah, you know what it is? It, it's the opposite of what O'Connell does on offense. They are basically taking the principles of the scheme and saying, this works. And the players are like, eh, does it really? Yeah. O'Connell adjusts, right? So, like, he, he makes concessions to make Kirk good or, or to showcase Kirk, uh, which doesn't take him out of his scheme completely, but it certainly nods to what Kirk does well. I feel like what Donatel is doing is very much these are our principles and this is how we play, damn it. Yep. All right. Well, that's Mackie and Judd here. This is your, your deep dive into pressure and blitz statistics. And uh, tomorrow we will go through our weekly predictions and accountability session on Write That Down. Be sure to check out the Trenches with Boone episode of Purple Daily that dropped this morning on this Tuesday morning over on the Purple Daily podcast feed and YouTube channel. See you guys.